Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Uh, we're having some fun football conversation. Glad we're still here. Carmen was talking about hitting the reset button no, on the universe. No, don't listen to Carmen. That's what he was saying. Okay. Start it all over. No, no matter. That's it's the fun of all this. Phone number to uh, react is 312-332-3776. Don't forget, uh, we're on uh, now at uh, 2.30 with the guys for Crosstalk, Carmen and Yurko. They go a full three hours. They start still at noon. They'll go noon to 3. We cross-talk with them at 2.30 for a full half hour. So we're now on from 2.30 to 6.30. And uh, we'll cross-talk with Black and Abdallah at about 6.15. So we'll have longer cross-talk with those guys as well. Uh, you can always listen to us on ESPN 1000 and uh, 100.3 HD2. If you're in your car, you got that HD uh, radio. If you If you aren't sure... Check your settings on your car radio and make sure that HD button is enabled. Crystal clear, 100.3 HD2. You've got the ESPN Chicago app. Everything's right there for you, whether you want to listen live or you want to catch up on the podcast. And then, of course, you can watch us. Hello, hello. It's YouTube um, Live. ESPN Chicago is our channel. Subscribe there. You got everything there. Uh, to watch us live or to catch up on all of our shows and, of course, Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. You can check us out uh, in studio here on State Street. Uh, Robert Mays does great work for The Athletic. Uh, We love talking football with him. He is a big Bears fan, but he talks about the entire league, and that's what we love about him. And and he's still never shy to, to show that he is... All things Bears, but uh, does does follow the entire league, and he does it really, really well. And he joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Maze, how you feeling? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well. All right, so well, we asked, we were doing well we're, until the show started. Well, today. wait, don't 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 uh, lead him here because we want to ask him this question: <laughs> If if you can have one player on the Bears roster, so you have to pick from. The 49ers or the Chiefs, one player from either of those teams, but they have to replace a current player on the Bears roster. At their position. At their position. Salary cap, don't worry about whatever their cap hit is. We are giving you a free pass, so don't worry about whatever they cost. You can have that player free on the Bears roster, but you have to give up that current player that resides there at at that position. Who are you taking? Is, is this a trick question? No, it's not. Patrick Mahomes. Of what, course. Is, what do you mean? <laughs> of course. I, I thought that there was some catch that Ro- I wasn't Robert, picking Robert, up on. Robert, like this is what this was an exercise to see kind of where the baseline is with regard to how our city is handling the conversation about what to do at the quarterback position, just in general. And I know it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but we actually had two people out of ten. And I've served as the Russian judge, so I I looked at things differently and in my own way. I actually think there were three out of ten that said somebody other than 
than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we took 10 That's callers. Insane. Yeah, we took 10 callers, and Waddle thinks uh, 3 out of 10 who chose other guys other than Patrick Mahomes. 7 out of 10 took Mahomes. Um, I think 8 out of 10 took Mahomes. But, yes, two or three guys elected not to take Mahomes. That, that's very funny. I, I don't really understand that. He's yeah. the best player in the sport, and I think he might be the best player I've ever seen. Yes. So I, I would probably want him to be the quarterback of my team if given the option. Well, we, we kind of advanced it further, too, just because this is the, the numbskull, stupid stuff we do for four hours a day. Do you believe there is another team in the National Football League that wouldn't change their quarterback out for Patrick Mahomes? This is a I better think there question. There are ones that probably wouldn't for cultural reasons. You know, their guy is good enough that they wouldn't want to upset the apple cart. But if we were doing this in a vacuum, if you were just ignoring all of those kind of ancillary elements, the answer is 100% no. I, the but only- he is the best quarterback in the NFL, and I think he is a tier or half a tier above every other guy. I, I tweeted this out today. He, he's played 17 playoff games now, so it's essentially a full season. Yeah. If you extrapolate his stats and you just, that's a season worth of games – he threw for 4,800 yards, 39 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. His EPA per dropback, which is an efficiency metric, is essentially what it was when he won the MVP in 2022. So his 17 games of playoff football are an MVP season against the best teams in the yeah. NFL. <laughs> he, he's just different. He's different than everybody else. And I've gotten bored before and been like, oh, you know, is Josh Allen right there? And you know, how is Joe Burrow? And look at Lamar and having an MVP year. It, it's all silly. Like, he is just better than everybody else, and it's worth acknowledging that at this point. We had somebody suggest that they'd rather replace Darnell Mooney with Brandon Ayuk instead of Justin Fields with Patrick Mahomes. So that's where my mind was going because I didn't think Mahomes would be an option. So my what I went to was would I rather have Nick Bosa or Brandon Ayuk? Right. No, but we left the quarterbacks in just to just to see just how outrageously I don't want to use a bad word, uh, but silly that it all would be for some. I don't think we appreciate how good Patrick Mahomes I'm with is. You, and I, I I throw me in there too. When I say we, I'm absolutely part of the problem because I just think we get bored. <laughs> we get bored. It, it, it's so easy to get bored. The next shiny thing that comes along, it's like, oh, look at this guy. I wonder if this guy can knock him off the perch. The answer is no. He's just better than everyone. The only thing that I thought that maybe, you know, in this hypothetical world that somebody would say, no, we're good with our guy, would be age. But he's, you know, he's 28, he'll be 29 next year. He's still got 10 years of really good football left. I thought maybe if someone was 22 or 23, maybe that team would think differently. But I'm with you. I think he is so far ahead of every other quarterback in the league that it's a no-brainer. He's just starting his prime. I know. That, that's the most terrifying part about this, is that he just had, if you include the playoffs, statistically, probably the greatest stretch that a quarterback has ever had his first six years. If you look at the regular season numbers plus the playoff ones I just threw out there, and you can make a serious argument that he's getting better. If you look at what he's doing pre-snap, the mental stuff, he is even getting, he's improving in those areas. And that is terrifying. Yeah. The prospect of that, of him getting to a level where he's like Brady and Manning and Breeze pre-snap, combined with what he is physically, I, I don't think people are ready for what dealing with that in the playoffs is going to be like over the next decade. Talking to Robert Mays from The Athletic, it's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Oh, so when we ta- last talked to you, it was at the start of 
um, the pursuit of the OC for the Bears. So they did get Shane Waldron. He is a guy who did uh, reclamate the career of Geno Smith. So that goes into the bucket of, hey, maybe he can do the same with Justin Fields. But he's also a guy who runs the McVay offense, which would maybe be better for a Caleb Williams type of quarterback. What do you believe this hire means for what they're going to do at quarterback? I don't know how much insight it gives you either way. I think, if anything, it probably tips the scales toward drafting a quarterback uh, just because you're probably going a more conventional direction. But this, to me, is more about the hire, what it means, the quality of it, was he the best candidate. Like Those are the more pressing questions to me because I think that's where you can actually glean more information. I don't think it necessarily pushes it one way or the other. How do you feel about the hiring of Shane Waldron? I like it. I, I understand... When you look at the pool of candidates, the other guy that was intriguing to me was Zach Robinson, just because of what that Rams offense has looked like over the last couple of years. I think the Rams have done such a great job of evolving with their personnel and with the league, and Zach was their passing game coordinator starting in 2021, and that's when they really underwent a change. You know, they were an under-center play-action team when Jared Goff was there, and now they've run some play-action, but it's actually below average. It's a lot of shotgun. It's a lot of seven-step drop, the vertical passing game. So I always like coaches that were involved in those sorts of processes where they had to figure out what their issues were and kind of take things in a new direction. So he was interesting to me, but you never know when the guy's never called it before. The ceiling is high, but the floor is also low. Waldron at least has proven that he is a coordinator of an NFL team that can be a top 10 to 12 offense. And that's what the Seahawks have been for the last couple years. I really loved watching them this season specifically, especially early in the year. You know, their offensive line was dinged up. They had a lot of injuries that they were having to deal with. They had to account for that. It's a really creative offense. It could be frustrating at times. I think that sequencing and feel and stuff like that, there's probably something left to be desired. But overall, I thought he did a really good job over the last two seasons specifically. Uh, Robert, let's rewind uh, just a second. Before we talk more about the OC, I want to get your take on whether or not you think the Bears made a mistake moving forward, deciding to move forward with, with Matt Eberflus? Mistake is strong. It's not what I would have done. I, I think that it is a shooting for the middle sort of move. And I think that that's one of the problems we've all had with this franchise for a really long time. I, I know that Sylvie feels a similar way about this. I think that you're attaching yourself to a coach that, got good defensive results from your guys against bad quarterbacks for half the season. And I understand doing that. If you're looking at the overall trajectory of the franchise, the guy probably deserves to keep his job. But I also think this is a unique enough circumstance where it would be worth kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, we might have the number one overall pick. We still have a ton, or we might be drafting a quarterback with the number one overall pick. We still have a ton of resources. Is this the guy who's going to win a Super Bowl here? Not the guy who's going to allow us to make the wild card. Not a guy who's going to allow us to win 10, 11 games. Is this guy going to help us win a Super Bowl? And I think if you look at the really, really good coaches around the league and you compare it to what the Bears have gotten from Matt Eberflus, I don't know if your answer is yes. I think that there's a lot of temptation to go in a new direction with the higher ceiling, and they ultimately didn't decide to do that. Felt like a comfortable decision for them. Yes. Because there's certainty, right? Like, if you look at the direction the arrow is pointed, it's very easy to say, oh, man, this is a team that if they hadn't blown a couple early games this season, they could have been in the playoffs. 
And I get that. I get saying, you know, with him, they're a potential playoff team next year, but I just think that you should be trying to shoot a little bit higher than that. And I, I don't know if that's what, something that he can ultimately give you. Uh, Robert, where did you uh, land on the Dan Campbell decision-making uh, from the playoff game? I have no issues with the fourth down decisions. I, I think they're 50-50 flips, both of them. And if you look at the numbers associated with them, and I don't even really care about the numbers. I think that they've been aggressive all year. They're on the road playing against a team that's better than them. And look at what the Niners did offensively in the second half. You needed every point that you could have gotten. Even if they had taken the three on the first one, they still would have needed to score another touchdown later in the game. And the second one specifically, you're looking at a 48-yard field goal with a kicker who was on your practice squad until Christmas and a guy who is 45% from outside of 45 yards in his career. That take the points doesn't really apply there. There's still risk if you, take, if you make that decision, and that's beyond understanding that you're playing against an offense that you're probably going to have a hard time stopping. So I, I think that it's overstated how safe it would be to kick field goals in both of those spots. That's what the one thing that people didn't understand is that Badgley really wasn't successful from that distance and, and his lack of experience from there. It's that, and it's also your offense is really good. You have one of the best five offenses in the league. You've played like this all season where you get four downs, and you've been really good at converting in those situations. So I'm trusting Ben Johnson, Sam Laporta, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jared Goff in that situation more than I'm trusting Michael Badgley. I, I totally understand why he came down on that side of it. Did you have, I think we, I mean, so this is a bit of a rhetorical question. Did you have a problem with the third down run call from Ben Johnson? Because Ben's done a lot of really, really good stuff. And it felt like in some ways, Robert, that they got away from running the football in the second half of that game as well. And they were so efficient running it in the first half. Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the run call down on the goal line, that's where the issue comes in because you right. need that time out. Yeah. And, and that's a moment where I think that they're probably saying to themselves, we need to score a touchdown here. We need to score a touchdown here. If we don't, the game's probably over anyway. But I think that's where you make mistakes, is that the clock and the timeouts in that situation are still the most important thing because you need two scores. So I think that you could take issue with. And I honestly think you can take issue with them taking the points in the first half. Because you going up by 17 at halftime against a team that's getting the ball first and has the best offense in the league, there's no guarantee that 17 is going to be enough. So I have more of a problem with that field goal than I do with not taking the points in the, sec- in the second and third situation. What would you make of Ben Johnson returning that announcement that he's returning to the Lions next year? It's fascinating. I-, I really don't know what to make of it. And I know that there's been some leaks on both sides since, and his asking price might have been high. That's what Schefter said, and this wasn't a guarantee. I just thought that you know, I understand last year the Carolina job is open. You don't feel great about it. You know, the owner seems like he's hard to work with. You have a potential lame duck GM. You need to trade up for a quarterback in a draft where the quarterback prospects aren't kind of no-brainer decisions. Well, this year you got all these jobs open. Seattle is a good job, I think, objectively. And Washington, there's so much to like about it. It's a blank slate resource-wise. You had a GM who wasn't willing to take interviews for two years take this job because there's so much to work with, the ownership group. So to turn that down, when you really could kind of take the franchise in any direction that you want, and that is a little bit surprising to me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll hear more about it over the next few days, but I was definitely shocked when I saw that because I just assumed he would get one of these two jobs. How do you feel about Purdy? Because 
I, I feel like in, in other cases, and I think Greg Olson said this originally, in other cases, we have celebrated the Cinderella story, like with Kurt Warner, with other undrafted guys who have risen to prominence. Uh, but with Purdy, I feel like there have been a lot of analysts who have been really quick to just swat him down, saying that he's not that good or that he's a product, he's a game manager, he's just a, a Shanahan product. But anybody who would have had that second half in an NFC championship game would have been applauded if their name was a star in this league. But Purdy sort of just flew under the radar. How do you feel about Purdy? As somebody who understands the Purdy detractors and why they probably approach it that way, I can say that I think some of that is driven by too many people on the other side, where they're trying to prop this guy up as like, Oh, he's a winner, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. He's fine. I think that he's done a really good job in the offense, and he's done what they've asked him to do. So I think that he's done a great job in lifting that offense more than other quarterbacks have. That's what I've said about him the whole time. He's done more for that offense than Jimmy Garoppolo or anyone else. And a huge portion of that is what he can do with his legs. He's a play extender. He's a scrambler. He's willing to push the ball. So he's taken that thing to heights that other guys couldn't. But I don't think he's the driver of that. I think the driver of that is the best offensive play caller, in my opinion, in the NFL, and the best collection of skill position talent in the NFL. So while he's done enough to lift them, I don't think that he's more responsible than most of the other guys or several of the other guys within that offense. I have an odd question for you about Luke Getze. What do you make of Luke Getze getting a number of offensive coordinator interviews? a product of teams now of teams wondering whether or not it's their issues are the quarterback or their issues were play calling right you know sometimes because the system works the system that those guys all run works yeah and and i think that you look at some of the game planning stuff right where he struggles or is hesitant to really put the ball in justin's hands is that a play caller thing is that a quarterback thing so i understand him Teams wanting to talk to him, wanting to get some of that Packers, you know, the juice from that Packers offense over the last couple of years. We're interested. These offensive coordinator searches, I would want to talk to 50 people. Uh, the way that Bears handled it, where they're talking to all these guys with different backgrounds, you want to talk to a Greg Roman, you want to talk to a Cliff Kingsbury, it's just access to information. Yeah. You know, especially with the, with the Patriots. The Patriots are in a position to potentially trade for Justin Fields. Wouldn't you want an honest assessment from the guy who is the offensive coordinator for Justin Fields? Yes. So these are just moments where my candidate list would be 15 or 16 people long, and I would want to have a conversation with as many people as I could. You can just learn so much about different systems, about how different people think, about how they had to treat certain quarterbacks. So I, I, it's not surprising to me, and I take no issue with the teams that want to do it. Yep. Uh, so how is your Super Bowl going to be different uh, being in Vegas? Are you just going to be so locked down working that uh, you're not going to see uh, any casino or any party? Oh, I, I appreciate that you think that I'm that sort of worker. Uh, <laughs> I will. It'll be a little bit different just because – the stamina necessary to do a week in Vegas is just slightly different. You know, I don't party the way that I used to, but even during the draft a couple of years ago, I was there for like five or six nights and it wears on you. Like, like there's a lot of just human misery when you spend that much time in Las Vegas. And I think that that's exactly what's going to creep in, but I'm excited about it. The food is good. 
you know, everyone's going to be in town. There's going to be a lot of just good chances to hang. So even though the prospect of seven days in Las Vegas is a little daunting for me in my mid-30s, I still think that it's going to be a good time. I have to ask you how you feel the marriage between Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers is going to unfold. I don't know how it'll end. I understand why it started. Because you're giving your organization to a guy who has built programs. And I think that's what they wanted. I think they wanted to come out of this and say, you have to take us seriously, and this is the guy who's going to make us into a serious organization. There weren't a lot of teams that were going to cede that sort of power and control to Jim Harbaugh. They just hired Joe Horace as their general manager. Joe was in Baltimore. Joe knows John Harbaugh. All the candidates that they were zeroing in on for that job had connections to Jim Harbaugh in some capacity. So Jim Harbaugh is the one that probably drove how they chose their general manager. There aren't that many NFL teams that are going to be willing to enter into that sort of arrangement. But the Chargers were in a spot, I think, because they want legitimacy and because there's urgency with the quarterback where they wanted to be taken seriously sooner rather than later. How that works out, I don't know. But his track record up to this point is pretty darn good, at least for the first three or four seasons. Hey, before we let you go, just uh, uh, a question, obviously, about the Bears and, and the number one overall selection. Are you, if, if I'm wrong, please correct me, but I think you were in the camp that the Bears will use it on Caleb Williams. Where are you now? I'm in the camp that the Bears will use it on a quarterback. Okay. I, I don't know which quarterback that will be. Based on everything that people in the know and people who cover the draft have said, Caleb Williams will probably be the number one pick, so that's still the direction that I'm going. Okay. All right. Enjoy uh, the Super Bowl, Mays, and we always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. There you go. Robert Mays is great at what he does. Uh, check him out in The Athletic and his uh, football podcast. So funny. Like, he thought we were asking him a trick question to start the conversation. Right. Most people do. That's why I wanted to do it that way. Crazy. You know? Or just brought it up. But that's that's how it is. Like, And if you want to react, 312-332-3776. This is what I heard this morning going into this, too. I brought this up to you guys. I don't know if you heard this live. I was listening to Cap and Jay Hood, and I wanted to make a point, too. I was writing this for a column about like some of the stuff that's out there regarding what's what what people are saying about Caleb Williams. I don't know what's true about Caleb Williams. Let me state that. I don't either. I don't know. I don't know. Just like I didn't know what was real about Jalen Carter a year ago. And I'm not making the comparisons because Jalen Carter had real life issues. But I, I don't know and I want the Bears to find out that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the real stuff is. So let me give you an example about what a caller is hearing. This was a caller today. I'm Captain Jay Hood. Mike in Yorkville on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Mike. Hey, guys. Love the show. Good morning. Enough of the Caleb Williams, right? I'm, I'm sick of this Caleb Williams talk. It, the guy paints his nails, and he cries on the field. Who I don't cares think he's gonna... if he paints his nails? Who cares? <laughs> I don't think he's going to fit in in Chicago. Because? Yeah, I don't... Because? <laughs> because he doesn't have that uh, the grit. There's a, there's a Chicago grit that you have to take. It's... it's First of all, he also went to New Jersey and asked to buy a piece of the Jets. Or New York, he, he asked to buy a piece of the Jets. What kind of no, guy? No, he did like, not ask to buy he, a piece he, of the Jets. He did not. He asked for, for compensation. He asked for, for stock. He wanted shares. He did. In the Please New York stop Jets. believing that idiotic <laughs> stuff out there. Why are you laughing, Mike? Players can't do, do that. that. He did not do that. His agent 100% he asked did. For, in, in compensation for drafting for drafting Caleb Williams, he will get a piece of your organization. That, that is, is a false story. Players are not allowed to do that. They can't have a piece of your franchise. Players can't do that? I thought Aaron Rodgers owns a piece. 
They cannot do that. He owns a Bucks, part piece of the Bucks, I think. Yeah, he owns a piece of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, he does not own a piece of the Jets. Mike, where do you get your news? I guess off of Twitter. I guess yeah. I should stop doing that. Yep. Yes, probably should. There was Mike again about Caleb Williams, and I want to remind people this: as we like, I want to find out about Caleb Williams again. I don't know if he's the answer. I don't. I'm open to it. If he can spin it, I'll paint his toenails. <laughs> yeah, I don't care how many nails he paints. But I, I, I want them to. I want to find out. But I here's what. I, and, and here's an example of this. You want an example of false information? You want an example of false information from an NFL expert? This was three years ago, from a guy who is on our network, Dan Orlovsky. This was on the Pat McAfee show. Um, Dan Orlovsky telling the world about what he's hearing about our now quarterback, Justin Fields. This was the buzz about why Justin Fields was falling in the draft. And this was Orlovsky again, going back to 2021 before the NFL draft on the Pat McAfee show. The Justin Fields thing, and because I've made a couple calls about this, like why Justin Fields, why is he falling this and that? And I can just share these are not my opinions. These are the things that have shared been shared with me. One, I have heard that he is a last guy in, first guy out type of quarterback, like not the maniacal work ethic. I've even heard it compared to Justin Herbert where it was like, dude, when Justin Herbert showed up, it was like, a psychopath when it came to working to get ready for the draft or, or even at school, like give me more. I want to work nonstop. And I've heard that there are some questions with Justin Fields work ethic. Okay. And then the second thing is where is his desire to go be a great quarterback? Um, I think that there is a desire to be a big time athlete um, from what is expressed to me. But where is his desire to go be a great quarterback and to be great you got to be willing to find the things that you're not, not good at and just freaking grind on them. Who's telling you this? Are pretty high up people, yeah? Yeah, people that are going to be at least um, uh, associated with decision-making. False. False, yeah. false, false, false. Justin Fields has proven he is not the last guy in, first guy out. He is the first guy in, last guy out. He's a tireless worker. He is a big-time leader. He wants to be great. Has it all worked out where he's become the best quarterback in the league? No, but his work ethic is unquestionable. So my point in bringing all this up as it relates today and from lessons that we have learned from past drafts, don't believe everything you hear and you read. If you hear that Caleb Williams wants stock, Don't believe that it's true. We don't know if it's true or not. If you hear that Caleb Williams is a malcontent, don't believe it's true. Dan Orlovsky was telling the world that Justin Fields isn't a worker. And he got scolded for doing it. And guess who predicted that Justin Fields would win the MVP this year? Guess. Dan was one of them. Yep. Darren Orlovsky. I would say trust your general manager. Don't trust people that are telling you stuff. Yeah. Trust yeah. that your general manager is going to do all of the background checks and not, uh, not just the, the tape work, 
but all the legwork that goes along with finding out who these guys are as human beings as well as who they are as, as guys who throw the football. I, I'm, uh, like My point is that we have, like, this should be a great time for Bears fans, having the number one and number nine overall pick. It shouldn't be a time when everyone is arguing. This is, this is like, they got the number one pick not because they suck. They got the number one pick because they made one of the greatest trades in franchise history. So, like, everyone called in, like a caller called in yesterday and said, hey, what about the Notre Dame game? What about the Notre Dame game for Caleb Williams? Bad game, right? We were just talking about Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. correct? Can I tell you about Patrick Mahomes' second-to-last regular season game of his college career? He faced Iowa State. Do you know what the final score of that game against Iowa State was? Iowa State 35, Texas Tech 10. It was close to that. It was Iowa State 55, Texas Tech 10. Ooh, I got close. Patrick Mahomes was 18 of 36 for 219 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Can you imagine if everyone said, and I remember getting these calls, Patrick, uh, Sylvie, this is why Mitch went ahead of him. Uh, look at look at the Iowa State tape. Look at the Iowa State tape. How can you ever bank on a guy who can't be I, beat Iowa State to be your quarterback? He's could be the greatest quarterback of all time. So before we start harping all day on one Notre Dame game, and I heard Cap bring this up today, the the Northwestern game that Justin played. We could play this game all day. About about games, singular games, uh, a college prospect played in. We can do it with Caleb Williams. We could do it with Patrick Mahomes. We could do it with Justin Fields. Again, let let's slow our roll. Let's let the process play out, and let's see what Ryan Poles has in store for the process. Amen. But if they give you the opportunity to swap your quarterback for Patrick Mahomes, you jump at the opportunity. Not so fast. Okay. What would Ryan Poles do? He would jump at the opportunity. He was part of the crew that brought Patrick Mahomes into Kansas City. Isn't that incredible that Patrick Mahomes went 18 of 36? And by the way, I was looking through this today because I wanted to see this. What do you think Ryan Pace was thinking during this game? He's scouting the tape. There There was a game where they lost to Oklahoma. I, I, like, I, I had to look at the box score to see if this was correct. Did you know that in, in his last year in college in 2016, there was a game where Mahomes was 52 of 88 against Oklahoma? I did not know that. 52 of 88 for 734 yards, five touchdowns, one interceptions, and he, he ran for two touchdowns. Yeah, that, wasn't that the famous game against Baker Mayfield? I believe it was. I was yeah. trying to remember went, if it was Baker or if it was uh, Kyler on the other side, but yeah. 52 of 88, 734 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, and he rushed for two. But Ryan Pace loved the Sun Bowl, yeah. where Mitch almost brought back North Carolina in one of his 13 games. Did Ryan Pace wear a disguise at one point? Yes, at the, at the Sun Bowl. Do you remember that? No one would recognize him. He by went incognito. By the way, do you realize as well that the, the and it was a bad game, but I will, I think somebody also put a video out 
of some plays that, that Caleb Williams made in the Notre Dame game that would still sure. make you, you know, say, oh, my God. That he threw three interceptions in that game. He had one touchdown and three interceptions. He threw two interceptions total the remainder of the season. <laughs> he had 30 touchdowns and five picks. Three of the picks happened in that game against Notre Dame. What was the Washington box score for Washington, him? Uh, Washington, he was uh, 27 of 35 for 312 yards. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Ran the ball for a touchdown as well. Hmm. Not bad. I, yeah. But again, I mean, like... Just keep an open mind. That's that's all keep I'm saying. Keep an open mind that's to all, all I'm of saying. it. And I'm open to Justin coming back. I'm open to it. I'm open to to the King's ransom. It's not my choice. I, I favor the other. But if Poles says, look, it's too good. We don't love him or we don't love the options. We'd rather trade down. We'd rather keep him under the new offensive coordinator. I'm open to it. I'm not going to hate I don't want my – it's the same thing I felt about Ryan Poles when he made the, the picks that he made in his first draft, when he drafted two defensive backs. I'm going to trust that he is being – he's dedicated his, his – you know, the process to, to sticking to what his convictions are in his board. And instead of going in a different direction, he drafted guys that were at the top of his board at that time. If he does all the evaluation and comes to the conclusion that none of these quarterbacks are worth the first overall selection or he has some some questions about them that leave him unsettled, then he shouldn't pick one of them. Roy in Bucktown, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Roy? Hey, how are you guys? Love the show. Listen every day. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. Um, so I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan. have been all my life. And uh, we have this complex called the Sam Bowie. And... We had an opportunity to draft Michael Jordan, and we picked Sam Bowie. And I think you all know how that turned out. No, we did it again. We could have drafted Kevin Durant, but we decided that Greg Odom was our our, our number one pick. And that didn't work out either. And I'm just hoping that the Bears don't get Sam Bowie. Picking Caleb Williams, and again, I like Fields. I think Fields is a great guy, but it... You know, you won't know if it's your Michael Jordan until you take a swing at it. And how often do they get an opportunity to uh, select a first round and possible a great, possibly a great quarterback for a franchise that hasn't seen one? Uh, me, no, and I haven't. My team hasn't won since '77. Bears haven't won from '85. I'm saying it's well worth the risk. I'll uh, hang up and listen. Yeah, we've Thanks, heard that guys. comp uh, quite a bit, Roy. Thank you. Listen, I, and and I agree with you. If in fact Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham and their crew has come to the conclusion that this pick is worthy of drafting a quarterback, if they have insecurity about making that pick or they're not 100 percent on board with it, don't make it. Don't make it for the wrong reasons. Make it for the right reasons. Make your decision yeah. with conviction and make it for the right reason. And it, the good thing here is is that you got a football team that isn't the worst in the league, and it's yes. not the reason why you have the first pick. Right. Like, you've got a, you got a team that is being built, and their roster's getting better, and, like, you're going to, regardless of what they do, I feel that they're going to positively affect their, their roster with this draft. Uh, John and Morton Grove, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, John? Hi, guys. Great show. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, you know, my biggest question, and I don't know how much you guys have touched on it, is is how is a, a college draft pick quarterback like Williams or May or 
whoever they draft, uh, going to handle pressure. You know, how is, especially pressure as the Bears quarterback, until they shore up that line. You know, uh, Willie, uh, Fields has proven that he can handle it sometimes, but most times not. How is Caleb Williams going to handle that pressure? Unless, in, unless we draft a left tackle or a center or to reinforce that line, give the, because college is so much different, the time that they have back there to throw versus the NFL. That's my, my question. How, you know, and it's a very difficult question to answer. Well, I, I would that, say this to up. you. I would say, John, that, and thanks for the call, uh, I, I don't know how he's going to handle the pressure. I think that you can come to some conclusions if you watch the film consistently. You'll see how a quarterback functions in the pocket. Does he shuffle left when he needs to? Does he shuffle to the right? Does he buy time? Does he climb the pocket? Does he do things to create the opportunity for him to get the ball out? Or does he just cut and run? Or does he walk into sacks? Does he not manage the pocket, the movement in the pocket, in an efficient manner? Those are all things that you can, it's not an exact science, but you look at it, you study it, and you can come to a pretty reasonable conclusion about how a young quarterback will handle the pressure that he is going to be, um, you know, exposed to. Like, you'll see. You'll see how guys respond to it. It may change when you get to the next level. But you'll see how a guy effect is affected by pressure that comes up the middle. You'll see how a guy is affected if the pressure is coming from the side, how he deals with a blitz, how he handles setting protection. So you can see all of that stuff on film. It's not just like, hey, it's a crapshoot. We're rolling dice. Like... You will have a good idea how a guy will, in fact, handle stuff like that. Is it an exact science? No. But, I mean, that's part of the evaluation process. Butch in Indiana, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Butch? Hey, and you're 100% correct, Tommy. Um, the statistic thing is just silly. How many of the last, you know, uh, Super Bowl champions won national titles in college or won Heisman trophies or any of that stuff? basically just film and how they're doing, how they're reacting. The statistics, everybody keeps talking about the statistics and Notre Dame against Notre Dame or against, that's all stupid. It's not even worth it. you got to look at the guy, the person, if he's coachable or not, and, and go with that and try not to make the same mistakes you made in the past. I think you put it all in, this, in your calculator, Butch. I think you put you do put the Notre Dame game into your calculator. What did he do wrong? Right, right. And, and did he correct some of yeah. the things he did wrong against Notre Dame as the season unfolded? You put it all into the to the cauldron: the good, the bad, the different, the indifferent, and then you come up with a, a conclusion. But some of this stuff, people say, "Well, I, I don't know how." He's, you, you, it isn't an exact science. My, but yeah, my point on the Notre Dame game was. Even Patrick Mahomes had a bad Absolutely. game against Ohio- Iowa State. Yeah, like we we could we could play that game with every quarterback. Like Tom Brady couldn't win the job at Michigan. Like he he shared the job. Admit we could play the game with every great quarterback with bad games along the way. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Well, and statistically, you know, again, look at Justin's numbers this year. Whatever his interception total was, it was magnified by. Two Hail Marys, one wasn't even intercepted. Right. So, like, you've got to factor all of that in when you say my touchdown interception ratio is this. But the same way I would say to you, maybe you have a quarterback, I'm not suggesting it's Justin, 
who threw seven passes this year that hit defenders in the chest. And he was consistently making bad decisions, but he got lucky as a mfer because the other team couldn't catch the ball. Or was he the victim of stuff where you just you 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 shake your head or you you throw your hand out and you go, look, those two interceptions don't even count because one was on a Hail Mary, one was on another Hail Mary, and that Hail Mary wasn't even caught. So when I look at Justin's stats, I basically just that's part of my evaluation. Part of my evaluation is is the two picks that he threw to the Cleveland Browns. Was it they both Cleveland or one of uh, Yes, or, yes, it was a Cleveland game. I mean, like I take all of that into account. Right. I'm not just looking, not just a stat jockey looking at the numbers, of course. but how it occurs. Yep. Uh, Sean and Mokina, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Sean? Hi, guys. Uh, this may be a meatball question. Uh, believe Bring me, I'm on. used to it. I've been married for 22 years. But whatever happened to the mindset of having a Young and Montana or a Favre and a Rogers? that kind of one-two punch where you, you have two incredibly talented quarterbacks I mean, is it a salary cap thing? Well, why, you got to have anymore? one great one first. That's the thing. That, I mean, like, you got to start with the one great one before you could have a second great one. They've had the luxury to do that because they've had great teams. The Bears aren't in a position to collect two before they, coll- before they get one. So it, wouldn't it make sense to do that then, to bring them both on and see which one hits? I mean, I, again, a meathead question. That's just me. No, I don't it's think it's a mean question. One in yeah. one in nine. Yeah, draft one in nine. Yeah, I, no, I mean, Penix I wouldn't and... do that. I think Sylvie's right. I mean, you can draft a quarterback. Like, look, when they drafted Jordan Love, and what was it, twenty twenty two or whatever the number it was, not the year, but the number. Aaron Rodgers was already a cemented Hall of Famer, right? And they were in their they were in their like window to win. Right. And, like, the the same thing with Favre. Like, Rodgers fell so far. Remember, he was in that green room. He was too good to pass at that spot. It was the year that Rex came out, I think. Was that the, was that the Rex year? No. That Alex was Cedric. Smith. Alex, Alex Smith. Alex was. Smith, right. It was the Cedric Benson year. I'm thinking in Bears terms who the Bears selected because they knew they selected somebody that could have had Rodgers, but they selected Cedric Benson instead. So, like... They just couldn't pass him up at that stage of the first round. And, and again, they had a, a, a team that was rolling. So everyone who says, well, why don't we just collect quarterbacks like the Packers? They're already rolling. Yeah. Do you know it's what I mean? They, for them. They could, they could afford to put a guy on the shelf for three years because you're already good. I, I'm with Carm. I've hear, I hear Carm say it all the time. I'm not, an, I'm not adverse to, to drafting a quarterback consistently because, you, you know, whether or not not suggesting you, you, I would not keep Justin and draft Caleb Williams. I would choose one or the other. And if you stick with, with, with Justin, I would be an advocate of picking a quarterback somewhere. I think you do have to take your shots at quarterback, even if you feel like you've answered the question at that position, because you never know what you may have. But yep. it's, it's hard to do it with a top it pick is. because Justin, too, still needs the reps to Correct. establish himself. And in the NFL, you don't have the practice time like you once did to yeah. allow guys to get reps if they're going to develop. It's hard to compare what the Packers did with anybody else or trying to mimic what they did because what they did was the anomaly. Yeah. And, and the right. other and is the just like you said. Like yeah. Alex Smith and Mahomes yeah. and like those teams really were good, winning. Yeah. They were established yeah. programs. 
the Bears are looking to build an established program. Yeah. Maybe in a few years when the Bears are good, but they're not there yet. No. Like you can back up Caleb Williams with like the third or the fourth rounder, like Washington did with RG three and Kirk Cousins. You can do that, yeah. but I you can't you can't go one and nine. No, like you're still too short building a roster. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We'll take more of your phone calls, and Wilbon joins us at five. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Wilbon's going to join us here uh, coming up in 10 minutes. Don't forget, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. Download that ESPN Chicago app as well, and you can watch us on our new YouTube channel. It's YouTube Live ESPN Chicago. You can watch us. You can uh, get all of uh, our shows. There's shorts on there as well. And uh, you can watch us as well on Twitch. It's twitch.tv, and our channel is ESPN 1000 Chicago. Can I go off topic? Let me go to Mark uh, in South Bend. I think he he wanted to... Bring this up last week. I have week. a stadium article right here as yeah, well. Yeah, good. Uh, Mark uh, in South Bend, he wanted to bring up something other than some bears. What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. Great to chime in with you, Sylvie and Tom. Uh, Commissioner Manford mentioned uh, the uh, stadium in the South Loop would be a game changer. And I was wondering if he thought that because it would be, I believe, the largest uh, one of the big markets beside, you know, other than New York. L.A., Chicago would have a downtown South Loop business stadium. A baseball park would be wonderful. And I wonder if he meant that or a new era of baseball beginning, which I doubt. But even for that, I believe that they would have to do an environmental impact study of a former railroad property being developed that way and how long and how how much that would cost is one question. The other question is, too, I think Jerry Reinsdorf, I do not have a lot of respect for and uh, the thing of it is, he would have to take on another partner, I think, to write him a check for about $880 million to get the thing started. Yeah, I, I, I'm, like, I'm not sure about any of it. Um, like, I, 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 I like the plan on surface if it doesn't cost taxpayer m- money. Um, if, if how, I don't know how they're going to build it. And how old is Jerry right now? 87? Like, 86? And how, like... The end of this article in Cranes, there is a a quick paragraph that says, in in terms of financing a new stadium, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has long been opposed to public financing for stadiums, as the Sun-Times and other media outlets have reported. So White Sox management and the city of Chicago will have to keep that in mind in any new ballpark proceedings. Right. And, And I find it hard to believe, and this is just my own speculation, that... That Jerry would be interested in financing this project all by himself. Well, when it's he's going to be in his nineties when this thing is done. Like this is years away. This is what at minimum five years away from happening. Minimum. That seems aggressive. Five to seven. How many? How much of the United Center and how much of? And I know the answer to one of these questions. How much of the United Center and how much of the current ballpark at guaranteed rate? came from the financing came from from Jerry. I it don't the Wurtzes and Reinsdorf own the UC? They own the UC. Yeah, they did they did they fund it completely the two of them? I'm not positive on that. 
I need to look at to that. My my guess is is if you've got a history of being willing to do that, you may be willing to do it again. If you don't have a history of being willing to do that, my guess is is you're not going to be interested in doing something new and fresh in that manner. And as long as the city is willing to help you with the cost of it, why as an owner would you not take not suggesting it's the right way to do it, but if the city is proposing a financial plan that will help you finance the the building of this new stadium that you're going to benefit greatly from why wouldn't you take the city's money don't you think the city has a greater plan for this place and a new soldier field which is not far from each other and then this way you can use some of its parking um or or do you think they're completely unrelated i well, our city's been run so well in the past I mean, that based on the history, I, mean, I have to believe it's, it's all put together really well. Yeah. Truth. It's true. Um, I, I'm looking for how it was financed, the United Center. Now, I, I, know, I mean, the building's basically paid for now, right? Isn't the United Center paid I, yeah, for? Yeah, it opened in what, 94? 94, 95? I found an article from the Tribune in 1994 that it was privately financed by a United Center joint venture headed by Jerry Reinsdorf and Bill Wirtz. Okay, yeah. so they did it themselves. So yeah. they've got a history of being able to to do this. Maybe this is something that Jerry would be you know, willing mm-hmm. to put his own money into again. And they own that building out right now. That's what makes... Like, that thing is a cash cow. 18,000 yeah, right, seats. Right. Well, all those suites, and that's like, it truly is the house that Michael built. Because there is no way they would have been able to fill all those suites without the dynasty years. I just don't know if there was any public money that went in to help build that. I don't know that to be... Now, they may have been the majority financiers of it, but I don't know if there was any public money that went into it. All right, uh, Will Bond's going to join us. More of your... Uh, uh, Bears phone calls as well. We got some really good Albert Breer stuff to play uh, on uh, the Bears situation from uh, Cap and Jay Hood. We'll do that at 530, but we'll talk to Will Bond coming up next.